welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker is joining me via the wonderful world of Skype. And Justin, on this day where we preview the Pacific Division for the second time, uh, the goal is that it only be for a second time. No third time on this one, okay? Oh, I can't promise anything, but I will do my best. Yeah, I mean, I... I suppose we could do a full hour and a half just on the San Jose Sharks, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it might get it might get a little a little dragged down. I don't even know if uh, an actual San Jose Sharks podcast is talking about like just a season preview for an hour and a half. That would be, I mean, I suppose you could go into each player and whatnot. We're we're not gonna we're not gonna go into every player. Um, that would just be too too much for for our. Uh, I guess you could call us a national show. Is what you would call us, you know. We talk about every team, so. Um, but Justin, how are you doing? I'm fantastic, Marcus. How are you? <laughs> I'm I'm doing all right. You know, I was back in back in my woods just a little bit ago, and uh, with my tractor, and I found some weird old tractor thing in the back. Old tractor. Thing. Yeah, it was like a. It had a, a big handle, big tall handle, probably came five feet off the ground. And uh, from from there, that the, that handle went down onto some kind of like an engine of some sort, and then there were two giant wheels, and one of the wheels was completely deteriorated, and the other one was in good shape. Uh, so I started to try and drag it out of the woods, and then I realized that it was four fifty, and I came running inside because we podcasted five. So, ah. uh, yeah, that's that's where we left off in my exciting life, as uh, <laughs> some weird tractor thing in the woods. Um, well, we, so if you missed our last show, we hit the Calgary Flames, the Seattle Kraken, Vancouver Canucks, and the Vegas Golden Knights. You can go back and listen to that. Uh, and on today's show, we're going to hit the Edmonton Oilers, the LA Kings, San Jose Sharks, and finally the Anaheim Ducks. Um, I think we said it in our, in our last show, but just that, uh, maybe this division has had the most growth in one calendar year in comparison to any other division. Is that fair to say? Do you, do you agree with that statement? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, yeah, that's definitely fair to say. Like from top to bottom, you know, I mean, a year ago we were, uh, is Calgary a playoff team? And then they go and they win the division. We're talking about can Edmonton get over the hump and, and win in the playoffs. They go to the conference finals and uh, granted they get beat up pretty good by the Colorado Avalanche, but they, they certainly took a big step. The Anaheim Ducks, I think we can all agree they took a big step. The LA Kings certainly by making the playoffs uh, took a huge step. Uh, even the Vancouver Canucks to a certain extent took a step. Just They kind of took a step backwards and then they, they took the step forward that we thought they would. And then, of course, maybe the only team that really took a uh, step backwards was the Vegas Golden Knights. So pretty pretty uh, decent showing there for the Pacific Division. But uh, let's start with the Edmonton Oilers. Where are you out on this team? What, what do you think what's your what's your like biggest thought coming into this season? Oh, my biggest thought is is Connor McDavid gonna get pissed off that he didn't win the heart and go back out there and try to put up 150 points to secure it, right? I mean uh, oh, that's that would what do I it. See. I, that would do it. Yeah, not only that, but now he's no longer going to be the highest paid player in the NHL uh, after next season. So does he have something to say about that, right? Is he going to play with a chip on his shoulder because of all this? And uh, yeah, I'm just excited to see a full year of Evander Kane. 
I'm hoping that, you know, you get young guys like Jesse Pugliarvi, Yamamoto, take those next steps. And, and then just super excited for the goaltending. I think more than anything else with this team to finally say, I mean, gosh, it's been, I can't even remember the last time this team had a competent goaltender where I felt pretty good about what they had in the net uh, going into a season. And so finally, you know, you don't have the Mike Smiths, the, the Koskinens that are just weighing you down. Um, and so they, they can finally feel good about what they had back there. Even with Stuart Skinner, I feel pretty good about him as a backup goaltender. So you go in and now you say that's no – I mean, essentially, I would assume they go in and they can – you know, analysts and you know, podcast people can come in and say, you know what, I don't think the goaltending is the weak spot anymore of this team. So I I'm excited for that. I, it, that all depends. That all depends. Do you get Jack Campbell – of October, November last year, or do you get right. Jack Campbell of January, February? Because there was a there was a gulf of difference between the two, and I, you know, you expect a guy to be coming in confident, obviously, you know, with a new team, and and he gets the contract, and and maybe some of the the poor play was due to you know something being in his head about like I have to keep this up if I want to get paid and. Uh, then he started to have a you know a few struggles and maybe that got into his head. I I don't know, but I do know that uh, that he's a streaky goalie, and that's something we certainly have seen uh, with other Leaf goaltenders too. That was kind of a Frederick Anderson thing, you know. He was he would have these uh, super crazy stretches where he was really good, and uh, then he'd he'd have his down down spurts. Uh, but maybe that's more of a Leafs thing <laughs> and less of a uh, who was their goaltender. Yeah, and maybe you think, you know, this year, right? So you look at this this four groups similar to Toronto. You say, okay, they can go out and they can put up six, seven goals in a game if they need to to bail their goalie out. Right, no um, big deal if you have a bad game, you still have a chance. Right, exactly. So I think maybe there's, there's some, I guess, uh, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, that, that's got to be a confidence boost for a goaltender to know that it's not on your shoulders every single night. Uh, much like, you know, for instance, um, you know, Sorokin had to bail out the Rangers on some nights because they just literally were playing so poorly defensively. Um, now, again, speaking of defense, I think maybe that's the area where I, I have concern now as, you know, um, as someone who's just on the outside looking in. I, I look at, you know, everybody outside Darnell Nurse and, and to be quite honest, I'm not too high on Darnell Nurse myself. Um, I mean, I think he's Darnell Nurse, maybe not a nine point two five million dollar defenseman, right. but I I do still think. I mean, even I mean, in he's a, a top four guy, for I, sure. I, I think he's probably still. I mean, he's still a top pairing defenseman. You're still looking at a guy who's a seven and a half million dollar player. So is he overpaid a little bit? Yes. Does that maybe is that maybe because he you know, it's Edmonton. You got to pay to to keep your your one defensive stud that you have at this point. <laughs> um, which I know Evan Evan Bouchard's coming up at the end of this year. Uh, so I know I he's the one on the defensive side that I'm looking at the most. Going, I mean, he he put up 43 points last year, uh, 12 goals. He had a really good playoff too with nine points. Uh, I'm looking at Evan Bouchard going. Uh, what kind of year is he going to have? Because he is poised to get paid uh, pretty pretty highly here in uh, right. And that's the, the thing: if, if his offensive production eclipses Darnell Nurse for a second year in a row, right? I mean, granted, yes, it's only been a small sample size, so 
you know, but but, but Darnell Nurse was never a guy who was going to put up sixty points. Well, no, no, absolutely not. But you know, maybe Bouchard uses that as leverage and says, "Hey, you know what? You're paying this guy for that offensive production." Now, again, Darnell Nurse, like you said, brings a lot more to the table. But you know, again, he's got a lot more leverage and a lot more power in negotiations to say, "Hey, um, I'm your best offensive weapon. You got to pay me, right?" So yeah, you got to uh, think he's going to get at least six probably in the following year um which which in is okay they i mean they've got some options they could move tyson berry if uh if need be you know if if bouchard eclipses tyson berry and tyson berry is not uh effective this upcoming season you know with one year left on his deal they certainly could move a tyson berry uh but i mean tell you tyson berry still put up 41 points in 73 games so uh he's still doing his thing and you have to ask the question how you know, and and I don't have the stat right in front of me, but how many points did uh, did anyone on this defense get because of you know the guys in front of them, and the, and that you pass the puck right. up to someone else and they do most of the work. So uh, that certainly is a factor as well. But uh, to me, is is the question still not can this team not can this team score because we know that they can score, but outside of Connor and Leon, what are we going to see from especially the bottom six again? I mean, this is this really the bottom six is really becoming the big question for so many teams because you know you're you're seeing the high end top six, especially the top line players, they're all making double like they're making double digits or, or close to it as these young kids start to get paid right, like they're getting eight million, ten million for the top guys and suddenly and that's squeezing your bottom six so a lot of these teams are having to kind of patch together a a bottom six and frankly it's why Colorado was able to win because they weren't paying their top guys uh so much money you know McKinnon's making six million bucks again this year uh so they're able to have some more veteran experience some higher paid players down in their lineup whereas you have teams like Toronto, you're starting to see it a little bit with Tampa Bay. You see it with the the Pittsburgh Penguins a little bit. You and you see it with the Edmonton Oilers, where their bottom six is just not. It it really like you look at it and you go, "Well, oh, where's where are the goals going to come from down there?" Because uh, you you kind of have to, you know, bring in those guys who maybe have potential to score but haven't had much in the past, and uh, a lot of times it doesn't result in much. Uh, so can they get scoring from that bottom six? Because that was really the difference between the Oilers and the Avs in the playoffs. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, right? That's the that's the big concern when you look at this team and you say, okay, cool, who's down there, right? You've got Warren Fogle, uh, you know, Derek Ryan. These guys are putting up barely 20, 25 points. And, you know, when you look at a team like Colorado who – you know, was able to put JT Confer, Alex Newhook, these guys were hitting over 30 points. You know, you got production out of these these guys. And and guys like, you know, come playoff time, you had Darren Helm even shipping in with a few, you know, key right, goals here right. and there, right? So, exactly. Um, you know, that's, that's the difference, and that's where I think you're going to see Edmonton really struggle. Um, now, regular season play, not really going to matter. I think they're going to get in and just be fine. But, yeah, when it comes to playoff time, right, that's, that's my big concern for them because – um, you know, yes, you, you could maybe put Ryan Nugent Hopkins down in that third line to center that, that line and give you a little bit more production. But, 
you know, when he's got nobody who can finish because he's traditionally a passer first. Sure. Um, Potentially. It's kind of worthless. Like, yeah, you, you got to hope that Poyarvi or Yamamoto, one of those two figures out their life and that they put together a good season. Right. Now, one thing that I have not heard anyone talk about, and I know that it's maybe it's because it's the beginning of the season and everyone's positive, but let's talk about Evander Kane for a moment. Uh, he has been in other situations before, you know, Winnipeg, Buffalo, and San Jose. I would say all three of those situations ended poorly, right? Like, they started out fine, uh, but they all ended ended poorly. And, uh, you know, this is now his first full season at Edmonton. It, do we see a different Evander Kane? You know, we saw a very obedient i'll just say like obedient and and neutral like a, a just a, a good boy we saw the good boy of andrew kane <laughs> does that keep going is it like i that would that would be a huge concern of mine is that this guy has become a an absolute poison in every locker room he's ever been a part of i know he's 31 now there is something to be said about you know your age and and uh, maturing over time, uh, but you know you you can't take the ass out of the donkey. You know that's there's somewhere in there. It's uh, you got to wonder. Yeah, I mean, listen. I think I think the difference between Edmonton and when you talk about the Atlanta Thrashers, Winnipeg, Buffalo, San Jose, when he was with all these other teams, right? He was kind of expected, you know, maybe not Atlanta, but when he first showed up in Winnipeg that first season and puts up 30 goals, I think moving forward he had this expectation that he was going to be the goal scorer on each team, right? When he went to Buffalo, he was expected to be the guy to put up the goals for that team. When he went to San Jose, right, yes, they had some good leadership in there and some good veteran guys, but he was still the guy who had to score the goals for the team, right? He was the the $7 million man in San Jose, and they expected him to to lead the charge, and For the most part, he did, but I think here in Edmonton, right, you don't have to have that kind of pressure on him because he has those just two high-flying forwards, you know, playing at center uh, to kind of, you know, to carry the load, per se. And so, really, he can just kind of ride their coattails, and that's kind of what everybody expects him to do, right? Just go in there and let Connor McDavid set you up, and you just have to finish. So, you know, I think if he shows up this season and just – you know, continues to put it in the net. And I mean, listen, he had 22 goals in 43 games last year, 13 in the 15 game playoffs he was in. And I think, you know, again, I, I don't think he's going to get 13 and 15, that type of production in the regular season. But, uh, you know, if he can put up 40 goals in the regular season and is on that kind of pace all year long, I don't think anybody's going to, going to bug him. And I don't think he'll be any sort of poison just because, you know, again, I think at this point in his career, I, I almost get the sense that there's a little bit of a maturity now that that whole gambling bankruptcy issue is kind of behind him, he's settled with San Jose out of court now. Um, I think he can just focus on hockey and, you know, really just, uh, again, just not have to worry about those demons in his life. Okay, yeah, I mean, it's it's not me hoping that it's going to happen or, or predicting that it's going to no, happen. No, it's no, just no. a question, yeah. you know, it's just the, the looking at it and going, well, I mean, this has literally fallen apart every place that he's played. Um, now, granted, no, I, I, granted, it's usually by season two or three, so I think we're okay right now because we, we've only been through <laughs> half a season. So maybe this conversation is better in like a year or two down the road. Um, and but you know what? Maybe 
I mean, I was thinking, well, it's Edmonton. I mean, maybe he just like can't get in as much trouble. Um, but then again, he was in Winnipeg and Buffalo. So <laughs> he's found he's found a way. He's found a way. Uh, and you travel all over the country anyways. But uh, I, I wish the best for him. I hope that he uh, I hope that he can have a career year because really he's poised to have it. 39 points in 43 games last year and 49 and 56 the year before. So he is almost a point per game player. I think he'll his career high is 57 points. Uh, and that was in 2011, 12. Uh, I think he's absolutely poised to probably shatter that by a, by yeah. a pretty significant margin. If he stays healthy, you have to think he's going to put up 65 to 70 points uh, pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, I would put the over under on him at 70 points for yeah. sure. Yeah, and and in terms of goals. I I would think he's going to set a career high for goals as well if he continues on that on the clip that he's been on. I mean he he could end up with forty goals no problem. Yep. Yeah. And when you got Connor McDavid dishing you the puck, I mean all you got to do is just tap it in. Tap it in. Uh, see Evander Kane, you just suck, and uh, all you got to do is <laughs> tap it in. That's why so many other players have been able to be unbelievable with Connor McDavid. Oh wait. <laughs> you know that is. The a huge thing. Okay, you think like McDavid, Crosby too. You know there was always like a oh we got to be able to we got to find the right guy for him to play with because you can't you can't just put anybody with him and and watch him like just yeah just do, you know do what you're joking about like just put your stick down yeah. and, and just tap it in. But you know who did do that was Mario Lemieux, and that is real. If you go and look at his line mates, when he had like 199 points, and you look at the guys who had 100 points on his team, uh, you know, they never had 100 points ever again, no, not anywhere close to it. You know, he, he Mario Lemieux made some careers, and you could put almost anybody with him, and he, he would play. I, I don't know why I just that just popped in my mind. But, uh, I'm glad you thought of it, though. Some really good players, you can put anyone with them, and they'll be good. You know, just a pure line driver. I actually think that, to some extent, that's Evander or that's a uh, Patrick Kane. Man, you put anyone with Patrick Kane, and they seem to have career years. Well, we're gonna find out this year for sure. That is ve- that is very true. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> let's see who Patrick Kane can can. Tyler make. Johnson is about to have a career year. Ooh, people. baby. Ooh, baby. <laughs> Um, okay, well, let's uh, before we before we do our floor and our ceiling for these teams, I'll just give a quick explanation. If you haven't listened to uh, the previous episodes, we're just giving a, our floor. You know where we think the most likely place for the the bottom of uh, each team is, and then of course their ceiling. Uh, how you know what they're ultimately the best that they could possibly do with the lineup that they currently have. Uh, we're not going any doomsday scenarios where McDavid and Dreisaitl will both get injured because if that happens, then you know we'll throw everything else out the window. Uh, but given a normal season, you know what what do we think that floor and the ceiling is? So, Justin, where are you at with the Oilers? Yeah, I think floor. I gotta say, um, probably a first round loss, right? I mean, it's it's easy for me to just. I, I can easily put them in the top three in this division without any question, right? So they get in. That's not a question, but it's that matchup in that first round, right? So we, we've, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of the show that really all these other teams are getting better. And as the competition gets a little bit tighter, a little bit stiffer there, I think teams like maybe Vegas, who might be, you know, end up being a wild card, Los Angeles, 
Um, you know, if they're a first round matchup for, for Edmonton, um, you know, they could potentially upset or, you know, uh, you know, take it seven games and, and beat Edmonton. No problem. Especially if, uh, you know, like I said, that defense doesn't really play out the way, you know, it, it could, or, you know, just lacks thereof, I guess. Um, and then if they don't get that, you know, that bottom six scoring either, right. And you have to go into a shootout fest, um, you know, Connor McDavid, if he gets shut down, it just might not work out. Right. Um, and then as far as the ceiling's concerned, I think the conference finals for me is where I, I think I put this team. I think they're, they're more than capable of getting there again. I don't say, think that's a question. Uh, they've got enough talent to do so better goaltending this year to do so. Not that Mike Smith was, was bad or anything last year, but, um, you know, depending on how streaky Jack Campbell is in the playoffs, we could see them go. But I still can't really put them past teams like Colorado, St. Louis, and even Minnesota, really, at this point. Okay. Even Minnesota losing Kevin Fiala, huh? Yeah, I still like them with Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, okay. Yeah. Yep. I I mean, my, my floor for, for this team, I actually, like, I think that my expectations are very high. Um, I don't see this team losing the in the first round um, whether they're the one two I don't care where they finish uh, <clears throat> in this division I I look at every team in this division and go the Oilers can and should beat any team now that doesn't mean that they that doesn't mean that they will but that to me that means that you know their their floor is making it to the second round like the, they're gonna win around and you know maybe someone gets hurt again and, and they have a difficulty I mean what if the Edmund, What if Leon Dreisaitl wasn't hurt and he was perfectly healthy against Colorado? You think that would have made a difference in that series? Because I do. I oh, think absolutely. That he's that good. Uh, he, he. I mean, he was. I believe it's. Uh, I believe it was is Jeff Merrick who said that uh, he was the best player to ever play and not skate. Like standing still, standing still, or something like that. Yeah, he put up thirty-two points yeah. in sixteen games being injured. I mean, he and he was and he could it. not skate. He was like hobbling right. back to the bench. He was standing still. And Drysital, I heard, I heard him say like, I had to change my game, and like it, it made him actually learn. And he was like, Yeah, I realized how much more patient I could be, and and how it's helped his game. He feels like it's going to help his game moving forward too. It's like, oh man! So Drysaddle gets hurt, plays unbelievable, and now he has more weapons in his arsenal because he just learned a new way to play hockey. Um, it should be interesting to see. But anyways, yeah, I-, I thought for sure Drysaddle or McDavid could have possibly surpassed Wayne Gretzky for the most points in a playoff season the way they were going. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, so yeah, I think I think their floor is like a second round loss. And I think their ceilings a Stanley cup. I think this team could win the cup. I think they can beat anyone. I no longer, uh, with, with Colorado losing Nazem Kadri. Uh, I think that that's a huge loss. Uh, they also lose Barakovsky. Like they're, they're seeing that, uh, you know, Hey, when you win, you other guys, guys get paid on your team. Uh, again, their bottom six is not going to look quite as good. And, uh, I, I, they're still going to be fantastic. They're still still a, a top five team in the league, probably the best team still in the league. But uh, I do think that they are slightly worse than they were when they won the cup. Now that also doesn't. They have a first round pick, <laughs> so they can they can go out and I've heard rumors of Patrick Kane. Uh, 
uh, which if the if the Colorado Avalanche find a way to go and get Patrick Kane, then fuck me in the asshole because that I'm they win. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? They win. You could potentially make a three-team swap, and you could bring him in at like two and a half million bucks yeah. if you yeah. know another team eats half of it too. And uh, shit, I mean, that just forget about. <laughs> Sorry it. to get so uh, <laughs> you know so descriptive, but that I mean that just throws out every everything. If they had Patrick Kane, then uh, it's like almost like an auto win. Uh, just put Rantanen and Patrick Kane on that second line, and I would just see unreal. every team die. Be unreal. Yeah, who cares who their goalie is? I know, right. I know they've got Georgiev and Francouz, but, you know, maybe they just toss in, uh, let's see, who's down here? Trent Miner. They could put Trent Miner. I don't even know who Trent Miner is, but he could, <laughs> he could play. He could play and win the cup for them. Uh, there you go. Okay. Well, so, okay, yeah, so the Edmonton, I, but I do think they could win the Stanley Cup, especially uh, the fact that, you know, you can always, they, they will, certainly, if they're in in a position this year, which I think... Going into the trade deadline this year, they're going to be in a much different position than they were last year. If you remember, like it was like, are the Oilers even going to make the playoffs? You know, they and Ken Holland saying like, yeah, we're not trading a first round pick when we have no idea if we're even going to make the playoffs. That's that'd be stupid. They go and make the playoffs. They also signed Evander Kane, so that he kind of fell in their lap. Like, what a beautiful uh, arrangement that turned out to be because that was better than any trade they could have made. But this next year, they've got first, second, and third round pick in the 2023 draft. Granted, that draft's going to be pretty decent, uh, but likely, you know, if you're you think you could win the Stanley Cup, you probably are going to move that for any number of uh, of free agent UFAs coming up the following year. Uh, so they'll only enhance what they already have. Uh, there's the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, should we go to the LA, the Los Angeles Kings? Let's do it. Um, well, can Drew Doughty stay healthy all year? There it is. That That is pretty much it, right? Can Drew Doughty <laughs> stay healthy all year? I know that Drew Doughty is not a Norris Trophy winning defenseman anymore, uh, but he did have 31 points in 39 games last year. Uh, he was fantastic. And that's impossible to replace. So do we see Drew Doughty uh, full, healthy? I mean, it, it seemingly injuries have really never been an issue for Drew Doughty in the past. Uh, this is really the first time that he missed a real significant chunk of games in his, I think, in his entire career. I mean, the most games he missed before that was he played 77. Uh, so he's never really had much of injury issues. So you've got to hope that he can come back bounce back stay healthy and you know how big of a difference would a healthy drew Doughty have made in the playoffs last season oh yeah no doubt i mean listen i think even if Doughty is not 100 percent or you know does get injured again at some point i still think this defensive core is still good enough to compete and be you know uh i don't want to say competitive night in and night out but um, you know, outside of the playoffs, I think they can still stay in just about any game with this group here. I mean, listen, Matt Roy and, and Michael Anderson were the top pairing for most of the year, and I think they did a fantastic job. Um, you know, they bring in Alexander Edler, who I think is is going to be a very good number six, seven defenseman to have for a veteran present, especially because they do have a lot of young guys like Sean Dursey, uh, Sean Walker, you know, only 27, so he's still kind of getting into his prime as well. And so um, there's some some really good names, and 
again, if you get a healthy Drew Doughty throughout the year, that's only just, I mean, that's gangbusters as far as I'm concerned. So it's like adding a, a, a really good top six forward to your, you know, forward group at, you know, the deadline time. It's just, you're getting that, that incredible of a piece. Now, what, what's more concerning for me this year, I think more or less than Drew Doughty staying healthy is, are we going to get good goaltending, right? I mean, Cal Peterson was essentially handed the keys to the car last year and uh, just couldn't seem to to take off and, and claim that number one spot. Jonathan Quick came in and was really good to start the year. I mean, essentially took back his starting job and said, no, thank you. But he's in a contract year this year. And, you know, unfortunately, he wasn't able to sustain that kind of success throughout the whole year. And neither was Cal Peterson when he, you know, he was streaky just like Jonathan Campbell. But uh, which, you know, which, and and you have to wonder how much of that is being without your number one defenseman, right? Like, sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you kind of have to adjust, right? Because Drew Doughty brings an element to his game that I don't think any other defenseman on their roster can really bring, right? Like he can play both offensive and defensive uh, hockey so so well. Uh, being a right-handed shot, I mean, he just he moves the puck just way better than I I think most defensemen in this league can. But you know, again, and so when you when you don't have him back there, right, you kind of have to play a tighter defensive system. And you're not pinching up as much. You're not trying to, you know, you might not be able to make that first pass out of the zone as easily either. So, yes, that that definitely probably comes into play a lot with with Cal Peterson or Jonathan Quick. But um, I need one of these goaltenders to step up and, and take the reins. Now, Jonathan Quick, in a contract year at 36, maybe wants to say, hey, you know what? I'm still a starting goaltender here for, you know, I've got a couple more years left in me. Uh, you know, maybe that Marc-Andre Fleury kind of swan song kind of situation going on. I don't know, but... Um, I mean, he, you know, he had a he had a nice year last year, and his playoff numbers are certainly skewed because he. I mean, hey, the L.A. Kings gave the Oilers a little scare. Let's yeah. let's not let's not fool ourselves. I mean, they pushed him to seven games. The games the Oilers won, he he wasn't great in them. Uh, the Oilers, but the Oilers' offense just took over at times, and I don't know if that's all on Jonathan Quick. No, no, and I, I won't put that all on him either, right? Because, like I said, this this defense is still young, so I think losing, you know, that that first round series is going to do wonders for this team and what they're able to, you know, how they're able to grow as you know a group collectively. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's also you know there's so many young kids on this team too. They they basically took a step earlier than they expected. Uh, I I would think that one of the bigger questions is you know Quinton Byfield. He only put up five goals in forty games last year and ten points. Uh, he only he only got into two of those playoff games. He was not a factor, uh, but he's only twenty years old, and I don't think anybody's super worried about him being a bust. But you know, this would be the year to take a to take a step, you know, for Quentin Byfield, and uh, he's kind of had a rough start. Remember his rookie season? He gets hurt. Uh, what was it? The first game of the season, or like, like yeah. really, really early on, he got uh, injured. Yeah, he only played six games his rookie season, uh, so that certainly is going to set you back. And uh, and and not to mention COVID and all the weirdness of uh, of basically him coming into the league at that time. So you you do wonder, you know, can he take a good step this year? Uh, because you don't want to end up like the Rangers having your second overall pick first or you know, whatever where they're where they're really just not taking the steps necessary. Um so I think it's a big year for Quentin Byfield and Arthur Kaliev to a point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you want to see those young guys and especially because, you know, they're still a a competitive team. They're still a quality playoff team. 
and they've got the pieces to shelter these these younger guys and allow them to to take those next steps right they're not like you know trying to shove them in the first line roles at 18 19 years old and say okay cool go figure it out right um they're giving them the opportunity and sheltered minutes to grow so they don't have to go up against top pairing d's all the time and and see the other team's top line so um you know kopitar and Dano are still going to be the the top line centers for these teams and are for this team and so yeah quentin byfield might you know, might see some more power play minutes because he only played, I think, roughly 12 minutes last year. And so you want to see, you know, a few more, uh, a few more minutes out of him. So yeah, you'd like to see that big, the you know, a big body be used <laughs> properly on the power play right. for screening or, you know, getting those rebounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that'll be interesting. I mean, it's, it's uh, going to be a tough division. Like if there's one team in this division that I'd be worried about, to not make the play, like to have maybe a regression, it would be the LA Kings. You know, there, there's there's a few things that could go wrong. They they do have uh, a 35 year old Anze Kopitar. You've got a 32 year old Drew Doughty who's coming off of a, a pretty serious injury. You, you've got 36 year old Jonathan Quick. There there are some more aging veterans on this team, uh, and even if you have a really good season again. You could have almost an identical season, and you could miss the playoffs, because when you look at the the standings last season uh, in the Eastern Conference, you know you had teams with a hundred points making the playoffs, and that was the cutoff was a hundred points. So you, you just, you know, I it makes me wonder. You know, LA could have another really good year, but also miss the playoffs because Vancouver's better, and Vegas is better, and Anaheim's better, and even Seattle is better than they were last year. I think. Yeah, the points got to come from somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. What what do you think of this team's ceiling and floor? Yeah, floor. I, I I think I kind of agree with you. I think they could be a bubble team that just misses the playoffs because of all those factors you said, right? If you look at their top guys: Kopitar, Dowdy, Quick, Peterson, whomever's in that. Um, you know, Quick especially. They're just older, right? So the body tends to give. You slow down eventually, and. You know, when that happens for these guys, I don't know. You know, can they just keep it up again this year? It's it's more than possible for sure. Um, but it's also possible that, you know, things come off the rails. Kopitar just has a down year, uh, you know, isn't able to keep up because, like you said, teams like Vegas, Vancouver are getting better. And, you know, with, I mean, between Vegas and Los Angeles, it was only a five-point difference. And so you get a whole year of a healthy you know Jack Eichel and Mark Stone and right, it's and like two could, a two win split, and suddenly right. it's, you know it's different. Yeah, there's there's a lot that that could happen. So for the floor, that's it's easy for me to just say this team's just on the outside looking in. Now for the ceiling, I think this team, you know, probably a second round team again. I think I, I just honestly think they don't have and and you know we didn't talk about Kevin Fiala, right? I mean he's a guy that could come in here and, and definitely help put up some offensive firepower for this team. Where yeah, they it certainly changes the top six. Right. But, uh, you know, again, too, um, I just worry with with everybody else getting better. You know, how much better did L.A. get? I I just have concerns with that goaltending a little bit too much uh, to feel confident to really put them up. You know, um, you know, if you want to say they're going to go deep against teams like Calgary and Edmonton and Vegas. um, You know, I just I have my doubts because if I had to pick, you know, anybody out of that top five who could potentially fall, I'm, I'm with you. I think L.A. could could be that team and so to me i think really their ceiling just kind of stops at the second round for me yeah i mean you gotta you gotta throw them in the second round because they were one game away from it last season so yeah and and uh i they absolutely got better adding kevin fiala 
So there, and and you think they're such a young team that guys are going to take a step, and uh, and with a with a healthy Drew Doughty, even if he's not, you know the the Norris Trophy winner Drew Doughty, and he's just a step behind that, you still have a great defenseman. So I I think the L.A. Kings probably a second round. I I don't see them going in and and beating the Oilers. Uh, I don't think they could beat the Flames. But you know, if maybe they end up in a, in this wild card spot, and they, I don't know, then they would play one of those teams probably. Uh, it it would be tough. It would be tough for them to get to the second round. But again, hey, they push the Oilers to to seven games, and maybe you know those guys are the difference. The Dowdy and uh, getting a little bit better goaltending, you get a little luck. You know, there also is the luck factor, and uh, I would agree. Second round, probably there's definitely their ceiling, uh, their floor. I, I of course, can see them missing the playoffs. I see them, though, like a total bu- bubble, like missing the playoffs by less than five points probably is, is their floor to me. Uh, okay, let's go to the San Jose Sharks. Uh, who Who's worse in this division, Justin? Is it the San Jose Sharks or the Seattle Kraken this next year? Who's worse? Oh, oh. Um, you know what? I I'm gonna say I'm gonna say San Jose. I really am. I uh, you know you just lost, in my opinion, uh, your best defenseman in Brett Burns, right? I mean, not necessarily. It's not like losing a Drew Doughty for the whole year, right? When we talked about LA here, but I just yeah, I, I just don't. I don't know what it is, and I can't really put my finger on it. But it's like when you meet somebody and they just rub you the wrong way, right? And you, you just know instantly, like, they're just they're Hate bad. Hate this I just guy. don't like this person. Yeah. yeah. I look at San Jose the same way. Like, I just don't like them. There's just nothing there to get me excited. And when you look at the goaltending, right, like James Reimer, he's fine. Serviceable goaltender. I, I think, you know. He's a, I, he's a backup. Yeah, he's a backup. You know. Very, very 1B. Right. Kakinen, again, I still think he's a 1B as well. I don't think he's going to be a – tremendous starter in this league but i do think he is a quality guy who can give you 30 40 games if you need him to um but when you look at that defense right eric carlson just hasn't been there since he's been in la or been in san jose vlasic you're you're not getting anything much out of him anymore at this point i still think he's he's an okay number four or five defenseman but uh seven million dollar guy no way um just too slow at this point in his career and and then looking at this forward group i i still think you know timo meyer is is a quality player um, you know, but he might be traded at some point this year, right? I mean, I, again, he's an RFA, but he might come and say, you know what, I have no plans on, you know, staying here long term, right? So maybe he just gets moved at some point because, you know, a new GM in here, Mike Greer, comes in and says, you know what, we're just going to start shaking things up. Um, you know, maybe they're too far out, too far removed from the playoffs, and they just, you know, say, you know what, it, it's time to hit the reset button. You know, I know they don't want to admit it, and I know they don't want to. You know, especially with Flassig and Carlson's contracts holding them down for the next few years, I know they they think they can still be competitive. But you know, maybe it's time. And so Timo Meyer is your best trade chip. So you know, maybe they say see you later. I uh, mean, there, there are three fantastic players to be had at the in this uh, next draft. Possibly three franchise players in right. the 2023 draft. And uh, I mean, to me, it makes all the sense in the world for San Jose to go. You know what? We, the problem is, is that they're probably they're probably not worse than the Kraken, 
because the Kraken are going to dress a very young lineup, uh, their top two centers potentially are uh, are both <laughs> under 20 years old. And I, I just I, I don't know that San Jose is going to be worse because San Jose has a pretty good top line. You know, like as far as the three players they could throw on their hurdle, Couture and Meyer, that's a pretty solid first line that's going to win you some games. And, you know, the rest of the lineup is, it's not great, but they do have some players that can make some dance. You know, Luke Kunin look, looks really good last year, and uh, San Jose acquires him in a trade from the Nashville Predators. Uh, there's there's some guys that are going to get opportunities to, to play because of the lack of depth, and I, I just don't know if this team is is as bad as they'll need to be. But who? But also, they could be. <laughs> I right. do think they could be really bad, but I, I, they're kind of like Chicago. Like, yeah, Chicago's going to be bad, but they also have Jonathan Taves and particularly Patrick Kane. Like, how bad are you really going to be with those guys in your team? Well, they, they, I, I mean, and Seth Jones. Like, I look at them like they, they were Chicago of last year, right? We're going into the season. We expected them to compete for a playoff spot, and you know they had good pieces, right? But it just they couldn't put it together, and that's all I see out of this team over the last few years is they have good players on paper, but they just can't put it together and finish. Yeah, you wonder. I mean, if uh, if there's any time to just kind of go, you know, let's just move some guys. Let's try to try to get a good pick in this next draft. It's certainly this draft, so uh, we'll see with San Jose. I mean, I. It's a it is a hard team to look at. You're right, like like you said right off the bat, they're not exciting. Uh, if if there were some players, if this was five years ago, there's you know Eric Carlson certainly a guy to get excited excited about, but he just has not been what anyone expected in San Jose. Uh, po- quite possibly one of the worst moves in the history of the NHL for any team in terms of what you give, what you gave up. And uh, and then what you end up getting and what you end up paying and therefore what you end up losing in the in the long term because of this is just spectacular how bad it has been for oh. the San Jose Sharks uh, when you consider what they gave up to get Eric Carlson uh, it has just been a disaster. Yeah. Now I will say on the positive side because I don't want to spend the whole entire. Uh, you know, our whole time on San Jose just ripping them to pieces. Um, well, why not? <laughs> why not? Can, um, can we just know. look at the players that, you know, that Ottawa, because of that trade, right, they they got Dylan DeMello and, and Chris Tierney, two two solid players for the, the time being at, the, at that trade when it was made in 2018. Uh, since the, and, and, oh, by the way, they also got Joshua Norris in that trade. Uh, oh, cool. Oh, and also they drafted Tim Stutzla with the – pick in 2020 <laughs> oh yeah terrible player yeah <laughs> so yeah so i mean basically they got uh they got two top six centers oh and by the way chris tierney not a bad like top nine forward on a good team uh who who you know he very well might get traded this season too and and a uh an attempt to fetch some more assets for him in return oh wait i'm sorry he's gone he's at the florida panthers so yeah, I, okay. forgot, I forgot he was a, a free agent. Yeah, but I mean, so one positive for this team, right? Uh, William Eklund, I will say, uh, young kid, 19 years old. I think this is someone who has potential um, to come in. You know, he saw nine games last year and, 
and put up four points, looked pretty good. So he got that little tryout to start the year, and maybe he comes in this year again, has a good camp. Um, he's a guy I could see potentially cracking this lineup and uh, you know maybe getting a, an opportunity to play in that top nine somewhere and could pen- potentially be a guy who, in my opinion, I think could be a good top six forward in the future. Yeah, yeah, and you, I mean, seventh overall pick, you hope that he can make a difference and make one quickly. Right, yeah. Because that could be, you know, again, when you have a guy like Timo Meyer that you want to keep around, you could say, hey, we got young guys coming up that are going to, you know, keep this team competitive, so why don't you hang around? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's probably the only way you're going to get them to stick around. I mean, I think Timo Meyer can sign, he can go to arbitration. Can he go to arbitration, I think? Yeah, I think so, yep. Yeah, and then, you know, one year, and then he's a UFA, so you're uh, you're getting close to a point where you kind of got, you know, you got to figure out uh, where you're going. And, and I, I think that Mike Greer, his his personality and the way that he's – what he's done since taking over, I think he has instilled a lot of confidence. Uh, but I don't think that this is a, a one-year, two-year turnaround. Uh, I think this is, this is going to be pretty painful. Uh, it almost in some ways reminds me of the Red Wings where you just had to kind of look and go – Oh, that guy's contract's on the book for another four years, and so is his, and so is his, and so is his. I guess we're just going to be bad for a minute because we don't have a choice, and we're just going to have to roll these guys out. <laughs> right. Uh, kind of yeah, reminds me of that. Justin Ablocator and Darren Helm. And- oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Johan Franzen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the San Jose Sharks, to me, uh, a ceiling, I, I don't see them going any further than you know maybe at times having some some nice little streaks uh because the pressure's off but i really don't see them finishing any higher than uh you know maybe they have some nice stretches and they end up third last in the division they end up in uh sixth instead of seventh but i think it's somewhere sixth or seventh in the division and i i do think that their their floor is last place in the division Especially yeah. if they trade team, they trade Timo Meyer, or you know, they they do anything to uh, lose talent on purpose to acquire some assets for the future. Then you're looking at a situation where I, you know, <laughs> I I lean more towards my floor than my ceiling. There you go. Yeah, I think uh, I I I think exactly the same thing, right? I think the the ceiling for this team is maybe a six spot, and you know, you got to think for a, a ceiling. Or a floor, I, I think, you know, last place. I, I, I don't know, think last easily. place in the league. <laughs> no, 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 not like that. No, I mean, in this division, right? I, I still think teams like Arizona, Chicago are going to be much worse. But I think a team like Seattle, who made improvements and, you know, might have a, a, a nice little one-two punch at center, uh, could potentially, you know, make some strides if they get better goaltending this year. And so, you know, that could see some points coming out of San Jose and, you know, like I said, with with every other team really in this division getting a little bit better, uh, they've gotten worse in my opinion. So they could potentially, fl- you know, sink to the bottom. Okay. Well, speaking of getting better, our last Pacific Division team maybe has the Calder Trophy all locked up <laughs> with Mason McTavish. If you talk to anyone in Anaheim, uh, he's you know for the second year in a row the Anaheim Ducks could very likely have a uh, a centerman up for rookie of the year in Mason McTavish. Uh, 
This is a this is a team that took good steps last year. They were exciting to watch, and all they did was go out and sign the top defenseman in free agency, and and are bringing in you know now Mason McTavish. So their their top six is uh, is going to be packed full of offense, but also a lot of youth. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. I I think you know Mason McTavish has got to be my uh, Calder favorite right now at this point. I, I really like uh, his game. He brings a little bit of grit, but he's got a lot of offensive swag to him. And um, if I'm not mistaken, too, he was the captain for uh, Team Canada. Yeah. Yes, this, yeah, for the yeah the World Juniors. So I believe he scored the overtime goal. Oh yeah, you might be right. In yeah. World Juniors. Uh, yeah. But I mean, look, he came in and put up three points in nine games to start the season, just like, uh, you know, William Eklund to get that little nine game stint there. But yep. man, he looked so dominant in the OHL and, and looked really good in the AHL with San Diego for a few games. So I don't really think there's any reason why not to think he's still going to be dominant at the professional level too. He's got all the tools. I think he, he can very well be competitive. And if you pair him with, you know, I mean, look, he, he's, they bring in, you know, Ryan Strom this offseason, so I think they've got a good one-two punch with Zegras and Strom. Not not the most ideal one-two punch, but I think, you know, Strom allows a guy like Trevor Zegras to grow a little bit. And you can put McTavish at center if you want at that third line, or you can put him on the wing with one of these two guys, and I think that's, you know, going to be a great opportunity for him because it just, you know, gives you a little bit more flexibility, too, if you're Anaheim to really, you know, give this guy an opportunity. So, um yeah, I, I, geez, you know this this forward group, like you said, is is really young. Troy Terry, Zegris, McTavish, they've got some good young guys in here, but they've also got some decent veterans between you know Adam Henrique and and Strom, who I think can still stabilize that middle six fairly well. Uh, you know Jacob Silverberg, we'll see what we get out of him, and you know on the back end, right, you still got Cam Fowler, you've got John Kleinberg, who kind of, in my opinion, fell into the lap, right? I mean, really, he was yeah. looking for an opportunity to. Uh, sign a long-term deal at a high dollar amount. I don't think he got that from anybody. And eventually things started drying up and, you know, Anaheim said, Hey, we've got a ton of cap and we, you know, wouldn't mind having you here. So you can put up a ton of points and then go resign somewhere else. Or um, resign and, in Anaheim. Per, you know, he, he did yeah, have, maybe I, I'll say John Klingberg had a little bit of a, he's had a little dip, you know, he hasn't been quite as good you know 2017 18 68 point or 67 points uh and even in in 1819 in 64 games he had 45 points uh but last year his six goals 47 points in 74 games there were there was there was a considerable drop off uh a minus 28 which on a defensive team uh does raise some eyebrows but you know this is just two two or three three playoffs ago where this guy had 21 points in 26 games and helped take the Dallas Stars to the Stanley Cup Finals. you got to think there's something left in the tank. Uh, but I understand being worried about signing a 30-year-old defenseman on uh, clearly on a decline uh, to like a, an eight, seven-year deal or a five-year deal. Like You're just not sure what you're going to get. So you know perhaps this is his opportunity to prove that he you know maybe was being held back in Dallas. Yeah. And I mean, the great thing is, right. So you've got Jonathan Kleinberg in here and if, you know, maybe things don't work out, maybe he's just not uh, willing to sign long-term with this team, whether it's a dollar amount argument or term, whatever um, you've got a really good trade asset that I think, again, just a few years removed from a really good playoff run. Teams are going to look at this guy and, 
and he is right-handed too, so they come in high demand. It's so very. Think- it, it reminds me of Taylor Hall signing in Buffalo. It's okay. just some respect. Maybe you know. Obviously, Klingberg doesn't have the same star power that Taylor Hall had coming into there. Taylor Hall had won a Hart Trophy two seasons prior, but uh, John Klingberg. I mean, yeah, he signs there. He's 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 going to be a deadline trade unless unless Anaheim really blows us out of the water and they're in contention and they go, hey, we can hang on to this guy and maybe he helps you make the playoffs. Yeah, but if anything, I think it also gives them you know a little bit more time and they don't have to rush Jamie Drysdale into a prominent role with this team either because look, I think this is a, a you know defenseman who could break out even more this year, thirty two points in eighty one games. Uh, maybe needs to work on the defensive side of his game a little bit more. But, uh, listen, he's got the size, he's got the speed to do it. And so, um, you know, if he can maybe take that next step this season, you can look at, you know, Jamie or John Klingberg as being more expendable and saying, hey, we don't have to sign this guy. Let's just trade him anyways, uh, regardless where we are in the standings. Now, um, you know, again, if you're firmly in a playoff spot, yes, absolutely. Maybe hang on to him, you know, if you want to try to make a run. Uh, you know, because playoff experience is going to be nothing but but great for sure. this you know, you know young group. But um, you know, if anything, again, you don't have to put Jamie Drysdale you know up against the Connor McDavid's and the you know, gosh, the the you know the Jonathan Huberdeaux of this of this division, right? You can put John Klingberg and Cam Fowler out there every night right. and let them play those top minutes, right. and then have Jamie Drysdale in that second line. Uh, you know, yeah, to, you can shelter him. You can shelter him quite a bit. And yeah, give them more offensive zone faceoffs for sure. Yeah, because you don't want Kevin Shattenkirk on your top line again. I think he's he's very good in a third pairing, second power play role still, and he's going to be another guy too who's going to be a huge trade chip because he still can produce yeah. offensively, still can skate, and he's you know only a three point nine million as a right handed shot. He could easily fetch a second round plus for for this team for sure. Yeah, well, he uh, he he won a cup with Tampa, right? Yeah, yeah, twenty nineteen. Yeah, sure did. Had a pretty good playoff there, too. Um, okay, so the biggest question to me, uh, I think we know the we know these young players are going to shine. Uh, this is going to be a fun team to watch. The biggest question is, you know, is John Gibson the, I mean, in the last three seasons, he's put up a 904, 903, and a 904 save percentage, under average goaltender in the NHL at this point. Uh I'm not going to, you know, the goals against he's on a bad, he's been on a bad team. There's not, you know, some of that is, is understandable. Uh, but that's over a hundred, uh, about 140 games in his last 140 games. He's at about a nine Oh four save percentage. Uh, and if, and if he's in that position again next year, you know, or we look back and we go in yeah, another nine Oh three, nine Oh four year, uh, suddenly John Gibson becomes, I, I mean, we're we're solely in the conversation of he's done. Like as far as being an elite goalie, he's done. Uh, any chance that we see the John Gibson of old? I mean, listen, I I don't think John Gibson is a terrible goalie or even an average goalie. Um, I still think he's a top ten goalie in this league. If you want my honest opinion, I think he can mm-hmm. still bring it. Um, I just think the the defense and team structure in front of him has been all about offense because they want these young guys to succeed and shine a little bit and make this team, like you said, exciting to watch. Um, so they've kind of sacrificed, right, the defensive end of the game for that. And, I mean, it's it's clear when you look at this team. I mean, they, they finished a minus 39 as far as goal differentials are concerned because they could score goals. But, 
you know, if you look at their goals against besides Seattle, which I'm, you know, throwing them out the window, they were, you know, second worst as far as goals against in this, you know, division and, and fourth worst in this conference. So, um, you know, does that fall all on him? No, I don't think so. I, I think this team, if they can tighten up a little bit better defensively, uh, you know, play maybe, you know, with a little smarter hockey up front and, you know, that'll allow the goals to come with them. If you focus on the defense first, I think these young guys up front are so talented. I think the goals will come naturally. Um, but again, right, you got another year of Dallas Eakins as the head coach, so I don't think much is going to change as far as systems are concerned. Um, so, you know, I I mean, the, the question is, does he stay there all year, right? Because there were rumors sure. circulating this year about him potentially being dealt. And, you know, I think any other team with a halfway decent defensive structure he's an easy top 10 goalie in this league for sure, right? I mean, you can go slap him in a team like, uh, gosh, I mean, Florida, right? You looked at the way Bobrovsky was just mediocre this year. Um, you know, he was good. But if you put him in a team like Florida, I think he's a 925, 930 save percentage goaltender all day long. Okay. So. All right. Uh, so you have not lost faith in John Gibson. Uh, I I mean, I say that he's still probably a uh, – on, on a on a reasonably good defensive team, I think he's still that you know what we saw in eighteen nineteen a nine seventeen save percentage. I think he's a, he's sitting at about just above an average goaltender for me. Uh, he certainly has great stretches, uh, but they I I know Anaheim's defense was not great last year, but you know what? Neither there's there are a lot of teams where their defense. Like the Rangers, we've talked about it over and over again. Their defense is just no good. And what does Shesterkin do? He goes and wins the Vesna and statistically is, is the best goaltender in the league. And that's on a team that didn't play much defense. Uh, so yeah, he's it, no Shesterkin. I mean, that's that's clear. I, sure, I don't think sure. And I'm not trying to compare him to that. I'm just saying that, uh, yes, his team's defense isn't as great in front of him. But he he still isn't stopping the shots that he should at times, and at times he looks very porous. And uh, maybe some you know your confidence gets rattled. He did have a really good start last year, uh, but then your maybe your confidence get rattled. And uh, you know Anthony Stolarz as a backup goaltender. I don't know how excited you are about uh, having him come in. Although he had he had a really nice year last year uh, with a nine seventeen save percentage, so it's almost like Stolarz was better than Gibson last year. And uh, maybe you know maybe he's he's the guy. He's looking for a new contract too. He's uh, UFA at the end of the year. If Stolarz can get in for. 30, 40 games, and he plays as well as he did last year. Uh, somebody's going to pay him three, three and a half million dollars a year to go and uh, see if he can do it. Yeah, I mean, Stolarz is going to be—he's going to be a good backup goaltender, and I think he'll, like you said, I think he'll sign somewhere else next year because they do have a young kid coming up, Lucas Dostal, who I think is going to be a really good goaltender in this league. I don't know if he's going to be Jonathan, you know, Gibson good at his prime, or you know, even a top ten goaltender in this league per se, but. I still think he's going to be a quality goaltender. So, um, you know, I think it'll be another year in the minors and then he'll come in full time you know, after the season. So, you know, maybe after a year of that, maybe Anaheim says, you know what, let's let's get John Gibby out of here and save some money. But, uh, you know, hey, I think, you know what, I I would like to see Gibson traded personally because I, I still think he's got more to offer. But um, either way, I, I think there's still room for improvement for Job Gibson. You can only lose so much and be so bad for so long 
uh, as a team, and it just it kind of takes its toll on you, I think, mentally. And so sure. maybe, um, you know, maybe he just needs a change change of scenery at this point, right? To to get mentally refocused and yeah, unfortunately, uh, they're kind of wasting his best years, right? Like right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, what's your uh, floor and ceiling for this team? Yeah, for uh, for the floor, I'll just start off with with the easy one. I think um, you know, I think they kind of finished right where they were last year. Uh, you know, the seventh spot there, I think they're they're going to get better offensively. I think guys like, you know, McTavish, Zegris are, are only getting better and going to improve this team. I think signing Ryan Strom is going to be an improvement. So I don't think they can get any worse than they were last year as far as, you know, wins and points are concerned. Now, uh, where their ceiling is, I think they're still not a playoff team. I still think, you know, again, the teams like Vancouver, Vegas got, you know, got better with, you know, a healthy Eichel and, and Stone. Um, but I do think they can compete. So I think, you know, ceiling for this team, I think they're going to be a bubble playoff team. Uh, I think they might push towards, you know, 90-ish points. Um, you know, I don't think they'll get above 90 points, but I think they can get pretty close to uh, to make it interesting where maybe those last few weeks of the year you think, could they do it, right? Could they maybe go on a run and, and sneak in and ultimately, you know, just fall just a little short? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I – I like the potential of, uh, you know, Jakob Silverberg having a bounce back year. Uh, I, th- I, I think they did what they needed to do for a young team to surround them with, uh, you know, like we said, Ryan Strom and bringing in John Klingberg. Uh, I don't think it's enough to get this team into the playoffs, but I do think that it's enough to put them right around that 90-point mark. I, I think they'll be in the run. For the playoffs, uh, I I think they ultimately fall reasonably short of making the playoffs. You know that like they'll be eight to ten points out of the playoffs, but they'll be in it for a long time. Um, and I think that's all you can ask from this team is is that they're in it for a while. Um, and and come trade deadline, they don't have a whole lot in terms of the UFA. You know, there, there's not not a lot that they're probably going to deal other than a John Klingberg and a, and a Shattenkirk, but you're not, you're certainly, you're not going to trade your entire defensive core. Uh, so I think that for the most part, this team will stand pat. They'll continue to grow. And uh, if they can get to anywhere close to 90 points, I think they would consider the season a success. So that's my ceiling uh, from a floor standpoint. I don't see this team being worse than San Jose or Seattle. Uh, I, I think they've got too much firepower, so I'm going to go sixth in the division for their floor. You. All right, well, there is the Pacific Division. We did it in two episodes. Congratulations, Justin. You, you did it. I'm going to go celebrate with cake. <laughs> You're going to go celebrate by fixing a shower at your rental house. <laughs> <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yes, yes. Well, uh, to our listeners, thank you for listening to the Pacific Division Preview. We will be on to the Central Division next. Stay tuned for that. Follow us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And, uh, Justin, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your night as well. We yeah, will. You- Oh, you, oh you can you can say something. Yeah, That's I want to say you too. you too. You have a great night. Solid band. All right. Solid. <laughs> See ya.
being a team that can offer that type of, of opportunity into their top six. Not a lot of really good teams have like, yeah, just jump into our top six. No big deal. <laughs> and right. uh, we'll, we'll see what, what he can do to change. You know, if he can do anything close to what Kirill Kaprizov did for the Minnesota wild then the Vancouver Canucks are going to be very, very happy. Uh, well, with that said, should we do our, uh, our floor and ceiling for the Canucks and get out of here? Let's do it. Uh, you go first. All right. Yeah. As I want a copy as, off of you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, as far as a floor goes for this team, I think they're going to be similar, similar to Vegas where I think they're pushing for wild card spots uh, and just missing out. I think, um, you know, I, I, I don't think they finish towards the bottom of this division at all. I, I think they're going to be very competitive under Bruce a full season and, and have an opportunity to really just let loose and, and, you know, play a little bit looser. Um, and then as far as the ceiling is concerned, I think this is, you know, again, similar to Vegas where I think they could be a second round exit. I think that, you know, again, there's going to be some growing pains, right? And that comes with winning. And, you know, we've seen that with teams like Toronto, um, you know, they've got to learn how to win first and, or got to learn how to lose first before they start winning. And hopefully Toronto does that this year, but um, you know, similar to Edmonton, they just couldn't get over that hump for a while. And I think now they've, you know, they've, they've managed to do so. And so who knows where they go from here, but Vancouver similar I think you know a lot of these younger guys like Besser and Pedersen who you know really don't have too much of a taste of playoff success um, they'll get in and I think you know depending on who they match up whether it's you know LA or you know maybe uh, you know another team in the in the central here uh, you know I think they have a good opportunity getting past that first round but when you get in that second round and you got to go against those more experienced teams like Edmonton or maybe a team from the central like St. Louis I just don't don't really see them getting past that that next step. Okay. Yeah, I mean, a, a playoff berth would be similar to what Los Angeles, I think, experienced this, past, this last year going, okay, all right, sweet, we got in. Like, we can build off of this, right? So yep. uh, I agree that that ceiling is like, let's contend for the playoffs. I, I'll say their ceiling is a bubble playoff team. Uh, they might get in, they might not. They'll be right, like, it's the 8-9 battle kind of vibe uh maybe they're battling for third place in the division because the central still is just so good and they might have five teams make it again but i think that's less likely this next year where i think you'll go back probably to a four four team split between uh, the two divisions but uh yeah i think vancouver's ceiling is definitely a, a playoff bubble team and and a strong playoff contender uh i with that thatcher demko back there you know, there, there's always they'll always be in the mix, uh, and they've got plenty of talent up front. Um, their floor, though, I see. You know, I can see a situation where really the beginning of last year was was a bigger issue than we knew. And yeah, Bruce Boudreaux came in, had a great end of the year. There was nothing to play for, and they come in this next year, and they have uh, some of the same issues and. Things turn on them quick, and they end up, you know, in that eh, thirty-five to forty win kind of category where it's just not enough to get you into the playoffs, and you're not really on the bubble. You, you know, you're far enough out of it where you go, we didn't, we never really were in it. We just made it look like we were. Um, so I'd say that's that's the floor for me for Vancouver. They're 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 too good to be a team that's in the bottom. Sure, but maybe not good enough to make the playoffs. <laughs> which is where everyone hates to be, right? It's the worst, <laughs> worst place to be. So, uh, 
anyways, this well, this this division will be a lot of fun because there are a lot of teams that think they can make the playoffs in this division. So that that'll make it a lot of fun. Uh, we'll do uh, Pacific Division round two uh, next show, and you can keep your eye out for that. Until then, you know, go back listen to th- all three parts of the Metropolitan Division preview. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Justin, have a great rest of your night. And to our listeners, we'll talk to you soon.